Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and to become a member, visit secularhub.org. Hello and welcome to the Secular Hubcast. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Today we're going to be talking with Nathan Spears. Again, we have a discussion with a theist, part two. If you remember from the last discussion, we ended with drawing a distinction between science and values. Nathan specifically was drawing this distinction. I don't see as much of a distinction as he does, but that's where we left off. Now, we're going to deep dive into this with examples in this next discussion. And hopefully this serves as a launch pad for us to discuss these values even further still. So without further ado, I bring you Nathan Spears. You came here today to tell me that you are going to deny science, reason, and evidence as tools capable of describing all of reality. Mm. And the claim you've made is that we haven't described all of consciousness yet, and so that is evidence that that claim is correct. And that there's some problem with science because the thing that does science is consciousness. Mm. And if we can't describe consciousness then we are somehow being led astray scientifically. It's not being led astray. It's that I'm trying to gesture towards the, um, the fact that science isn't generating so much of what it means to be human. Okay. So how can we use science to help us create a worldview which contains ourselves, which is, I think, crucial? Because the scientific worldview doesn't have any room for the subjective, for the conscious experience for the interiority, for what we we consider human from our first person perspective, mm-hmm. that it's it's alienating as a worldview. It's telling us this is what the world is, and that picture doesn't have us in it. So let's take an example, because I, I don't I want to try to. Uh, explain this as as richly as possible. Mm. So do you have an example of this? Because I can think of a few that I would throw at you, but I don't know if you would agree that they're valid examples. I think you're, I feel like you're helping me do the work here. When you say that we have these hierarchies of values internally, and out of those hierarchies of values, we act. Well, how does science help us there? Science helps us measure the result of the action in the world. Right? Mm-hmm. We can collect data. But science is not involved in the production and ordering of those hierarchies of values. Let me give you a, a very, um, let's say... Yeah, give me an example. I'll give I, you a, I like, I like, let's go straight to the hard example. Let's get right? something we can work with. So you brought this up in one of your emails about uh, the priest raping a child. This is a very difficult subject in general, and I don't want to trivialize it at all. No, no. Let's I think use it, it, because I think it's, it's a hard case, useful, it's instructive. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about a hierarchy of value and we talk about scientifically testing them, in the method of scientific inquiry, we use evidence and then pattern match into, um, into consciousness, whatever that means, and out comes some hypothesis, some explanation that, that, that puts together the data, and then we use reason to figure out if that 
you know, that, that pattern makes sense or if it was just nonsense, right? Like, okay. you know, we use other people to help us do that validation. Yeah, we have to but, have independent verification. But all of that is, I, I would say none of that is applicable to the case of the priest raping the child. We're not interested in evidence or reason. I, I shouldn't say we're not interested in. We don't need evidence or reason to tell us that that's evil. Why not? What do we need? Our interiority tells that tells us that that's evil. How does it do that? Well, I would say this is what we call in... Uh, I, <laughs> I don't want to jump into specific Christian language yet, but what I would say is that that's sort of fundamental. Like, your experience tells you that that's evil. But that's I've, like never, a, I've never been raped. So I, I, I don't have an experience that tells me that that's evil, and I've never raped. Mm. So I have no, no way into that, into that experience. I have not raped, nor have I ever been raped. So are you saying that without that experience, you can't actually judge whether that action you, is good or evil? You said our experience. Mm. So I'm just saying, I, I'm saying I haven't been, uh, I don't have that experience, so how am perfect. I to know that, how are we to know, because I don't have that experience, and you said it's our experience that tells us that. Well, so, please elaborate, because I don't... So what I mean is that the knowledge that it's evil arises in us. We can put words onto how that happens. We could say empathy. We could say, I can imagine if that was me, how would I feel, right? I can use words, mm -hmm. but... In my, in my own experience, and I think in many other people's experience who have neither raped nor been raped, those words and logical constructions come after the fact. What comes first is the knowledge that that abuse is evil. How, how do you have knowledge of that? What informs that knowledge that that's evil? I don't think this is what I'm saying, that I don't think that we need anything to inform that. So you're just saying it's evil. Full stop. It just is. Yes. Okay. How is that? How you don't have any reason behind that? You're just well, saying it is? No, you're saying behind. But this is my whole point about the, the hierarchy of values is that that underlies reason. So we find reasons to validate our, what arises for us from our interiority, from our knowledge of good and evil. And those reasons help us communicate with each other, but the knowledge is not a knowledge of reason. It's a knowledge of perspective, of intuition, of, of something else. I mean, I'm putting labels on that, right? But my, what I'm gesturing at is that you could say it's a feeling, right? It's not knowledge in the category, this is my point, that it's not knowledge in the category that you're speaking of that it requires reason and evidence to substantiate it. Well, then how are you to differentiate it from another person mm. who believes that it's okay to rape a child, the sadist? Mm. Well, I think you're, you've... Hold on, let me just put a stamp on this. I want to make sure this is clear. So Please. you're saying child rape is bad, full stop, and I don't need to say anything else. I don't need to support it with any other thing. I can just say because it arises in mm. me that child rape is bad, full or is evil, full stop. Mm. And what if I it arises in me? I'm just going to take the counter side of this. What if it arises in me or arises, let's just say, in the in the sadist? Because I'm not a sadist. Sure, sure. It seems to arise in the sadist that it's fine to rape children, full mm. stop. So how do you now differentiate? How do you know which one is actually evil and which one isn't? Well. I'm going to give the hard answer first, which is to say, this is the task of our 
of our entire lives is to bring ourselves more into alignment with what's good and evil. Well, we so, haven't even figured out which one is good and evil yet. That's right. But I'm saying like as a, as a frame, right, that that is, that is our task. Sure. And that as a society, like it seems abhorrent to say this, but it's true. This is the way it works, is that we get together and what everyone agrees on or what most people agree on is how the moral compass for that society is set. Okay. So if you so, look at ancient Greece, right? So you're saying if enough people say child rape is correct, then it is. Like in ancient Greece. Okay. For them, they did not see pederasty as an evil. Sure. But for us, we absolutely see pederasty as an evil, and we see it as moral progress that we no longer practice that. You pointed out perfectly, it is our duty to figure this out. Let's figure it out right now. Okay. So how do we know? So what we would say from a religious perspective... Is, and this is part of the reason that I went back to a religious perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, gonna, I'm moving here now because I don't see a way to, steal, to stay away from it. That's okay. Is that the nature of good and evil is built into the universe. The universe comes with morality. You know, let's say Christians would say that the nature of God determines good and evil. But you're still just making a proclamation. That's right. How do I know right. that they're good? Yeah, okay. And I don't know... First of all, where you're getting your information about what God thinks. Mm. We can go into that maybe later, sure. but let's stick to this for yep, now. Yep. Yeah. So how do I know? Well, you don't. What do you mean I don't? Well, in your epistemology, you don't know. No, in your epistemology, I don't know. You've stated that it's, it's by fiat, essentially. Right. You're saying I said it, therefore it is. Mm, that's what you're hearing. What I'm saying is okay. that my being is... Uh, I'm trying to bring my being into alignment with the nature of reality. That's where I determine what's good and what's evil. My relationship with God or my connection to reality is helping me determine what's good and what's evil. Okay, so what is it? So you have a connection with reality Mm. and that helps you determine what's good and what's Mm. evil. So you've determined that child rape is evil based on a connection with reality. Mm. So just tell me one of those connections. I would say in this case, it's probably a sense of, well, it's a sense of empathy. It's a sense of uh, disgust and horror. The point is that I, I know at a level which is, doesn't begin with reason and evidence. Well, hold on. Let's, okay. let's, let's explore that for okay. a second. So you said empathy was one of the reasons or it was one of the connections. Mm. To, you said connections. You have a connection with reality. You've brought yourself in better alignment with reality. And I asked what was one of those connections and you said empathy. Mm. So let's explore that. Okay. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by empathy? By empathy, I mean that um, there have been times in my life when I've been powerless against mm-hmm. an assailant mm-hmm. or against someone who exercised their will on me without my consent, mm-hmm. right? And so even having not been raped, I can see in that experience of rape that those there's commonalities there, right? So you felt fear, maybe. You felt pain, maybe. Injustice. You felt injustice. Sure. Okay. Well, fear, pain... These are evidences. Mm. These are evidences in the world. I could take your testimony about the fear that you felt. That's another evidence point, one in a moral 
position like the one we're making, mm. I think is very key. Okay. In, an, in, in a ranking of evidence scientifically, I would put personal experience near the bottom. Mm. If we're ranking whether something is moral, you have to sort of invert that and put personal experience near the top mm. and a personal account of what actually happened. Okay. These are evidences in the world. These are all data points mm. that show that your empathy is tied now to reality and evidence because where else is where else is reality taking place mm. that's what i so, would put to you uh, yeah so i think that's great um so i'm going to try to make the case that you are either referencing subjective states which cannot be used as evidence your broken bone is not a subjective state or you're making uh, a morally abhorrent argument either one of those uh Either one of those conclusions can come out of here. So well, hold on. So, go ahead. Let me let me address that. Your broken arm is not a subjective state. Okay. And your your uh, measurement of pain is subjective in the sense that it's how you felt it. For instance, I might break my arm and, mm. and say it's a two, mm. right? But I have a higher pain tolerance. But you still would agree that it happened against your will, so there was an infraction on your personal body, mm. on yourself, right? And you would still agree that it was, in fact, painful, that it caused suffering. That's not subjective. Mm. That's objectively verifiable by multiple people. Mm. So it's falsifiable. It's verifiable by any amount of doctors that might talk to you. And by the way, we have a broken arm to show mm. this was the damage caused during this infraction. So... That's, it's not subjective. There is a subjective element to, I concede that, and there's nothing wrong with having a subjective element to a moral claim. When we're assessing whether or not something immoral has happened, we do have to ask the subject, is this something that you consider a moral infraction? Is this something you didn't want to have happen to you? Okay. Would you agree? No. No? Okay. I don't. Interesting. So let's dig into that a little bit more. So let's say that uh, that you have an example. You have a, a six-year-old who was raped by a priest, right? Sure. There's no broken bones. There's okay. no bruises. Okay. So a child was raped in such a way that we couldn't tell that the child was raped. No. Let's say that the child, uh, you know, bears some physical uh, damage. Okay. So right? we have some, some evidence now. You're back in evidence. So you're yeah. back in my example. Mm. You're now agreeing with me. That uh, there's evidence that there was a rape. Okay. Right? But now you're trying to talk about evidence that the rape was bad, right? And I think that the way that you're making this argument leads to a morally abhorrent conclusion. What so, is that? I'll get there. So you said that, um, that the evidence is verifiable by multiple people. Correct. But only one person was raped. So? So how can multiple people verify his pain? Multiple people can ask him if he was raped. Multiple people can ask him how much it hurt. And multiple people can verify whatever evidence you just allowed for this mm. so that we can assess he was raped. So mm. let's say some sort of cut or a tear, sure. perhaps. Sure. Not to be too graphic. I don't want sure. to but, be too graphic. But multiple well, people can say, yep, that's a tear. Yes. Multiple people can say, yep, that's blood. So I'm not going to dispute at all that he was raped. I'm not going to dispute that there's any... Uh, let's say it was on video, right? There's no disputing that the child was raped. That's not my point. Okay. So multiple people asking the child to report his own internal subjective state is not evidence. It's just evidence of what the child told them. It's evidence if you're trying to determine the morality of the, of the event. I mean, it's, it's, if, if the child were to say, and 
it, it doesn't work as well with a child because we we assume that child children are not intellectually normal yet. They're okay. not so they're not developed let, enough. Let's leave the child out of it then. Let's skip to a grown man. It was a grown man who was, was raped, raped, right? Yeah, okay. He's fully so developed. The grown man may can, say, "No, no, this is cool. This is what I wanted to have happen." No, let's say that he let's say that he says that it isn't what he wanted to have happened. Well, then we okay. Then now we know it's a rape. But he's report. That's true. We do know it was a rape, but right. that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the morality of the rape. It, it well, rape is immoral because it's somebody imposing their will onto somebody else who doesn't want it. In order to determine whether or not it's moral, we have to determine if the act was in fact against that person's will or in accordance with their wishes. But you just defined what something immoral is and then showed how this was immoral. I'm saying we need to establish the evidence that it's immoral. That is the evidence that it's immoral. The definition of being immoral? Why wouldn't we take into account the subject's account of the occurrence to we, determine whether or not it was moral? We can, but we're not talking about... What we're talking about is establishing an evidence, reason-based conclusion that it was immoral. That is evidence-based and reason-based. That it was immoral. But the way that you showed that it was immoral was by defining immorality in a certain way. Okay. So what I'm saying is... Let's well, say that this guy doing it then. Let's say that well wh what I'm doing here is critiquing the science and evidence-based analysis of this particular moral act. Okay. Okay, so he reports on his subjective experience, but we don't admit that as evidence in the scientific paradigm. Why not? Evidence is externally reproducible and verifiable. Yeah, and measurable. Sure. So we couldn't then take the accounts of other people that were raped and, and said that they didn't want it as other examples of rape to draw from? But each of those are just other people reporting on their own interiority. But this is a, this is a moral issue we're trying to solve. It is, it is grounded in people. So we can't make moral decisions without people, without people telling us we do or don't want these actions to happen to us. The lowest common denominator of whether an immoral act has occurred is to ask the person, you know, do you want to be raped? I, no, I don't. Well, then that was an immoral thing because that person took, you know, the rapist took over your body against mm. your wishes, mm. right? And you have rights to bodily autonomy. But I would, well, I want to say two things. One is that I would suggest it's not the compliance of the victim that makes it an immoral act, right? If somebody, like you said, if the, if the person reports that they wanted to be raped, that doesn't make the rape moral, Right. Okay. The rape is immoral. That's how we consider morality. Now, if we're talking like this is another sort of definitional game. If we're well, talking does... about some sort of sexual game that these two prearranged and the guy pretends to break in and blah, blah, blah. That's not really rape in the context that we're talking about. Right. Well, it's not really rape if the guy says I wanted it to happen. either. If someone uh, broke into my house and raped me and I enjoyed it, that wouldn't make it less rapey. Right? It's still rape, and that person should still be punished for their actions. The fact that I enjoyed it doesn't make it... You may like, have a case for that, but I don't know that anything immoral has happened. You're just talking about punishment and crime, right? We, we define breaking and entering and raping as a crime. But if the person who was broken into entered and then raped was like, no, I was totally cool with that. Like, that was hot. I dug it. N no immoral actions happen because that person hasn't been violated. See, I would say that that's an, uh, that's an abhorrent moral position because 
then the the morality of an act is determined afterward by the consequences rather than by the nature of the act. Morality is consequential by nature. Mm. That's it's, a position. That's a claim, right? Well, you're going to so, have if you're going to say, okay, hold on. Let's if you're going to say that your morality and and the reason why you're calling this this example immoral is because of your empathy with that person, then how are you empathizing with them if you're not taking into account their 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 experience? Mm. Let's say that uh, that this person. Well, I mean, it's it, we can play what if moral games here all day, but no, it's no, very. No, that's not a what if moral game. You said empathy is how you're determining that this was an immoral act. You're saying rape is immoral, and I, and you said it would align you with reality. Right. And empathy was one of those connections for right. how you aligned yourself with reality. Mm. How are you going to empathize if you cannot take into account the actual? person that was raped and determine from right. what they tell you whether or not they were raped. Here's How the, are you using empathy in that way? I can always construct a situation in which I need to use empathy in order to understand that that act was in fact immoral, right? So I gave you a very limited context before this guy liked it, but now I give you a bigger context. It turns out now in this context, the consequences seem immoral again, right? So what the values-based approach to um, to morality does is it says, well, the entirety of creation is the context. And in that context, rape is always bad. Does that make sense? I understand you don't agree with that, but that's sort of the position that I'm taking. No, I, I mean, from what I understand of what the word rape means, it is always immoral. It's always bad. Okay. You're saying that you have aligned, you're saying rape is bad full stop. Mm. And one of the reasons why you say it's bad is because of empathy. Mm. And then you're saying we can't take into account the person that was raped. So how are you no, using empathy? No, no, that's empathy? not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't take it into account because you don't admit subjective experience as evidence. I was ad no, I'm sorry. The, the, you've turned this around. I was admitting subjective experience, personal testimony into evidence. Mm, but if I say that three billion people have personal experiences of connection with God, what are you going to do with that report of subjective experience? Well, I would say that they believe that they have experience with God, but mm. they can't demonstrate that they have experience with God. Mm. In the case of the rape victim, we can demonstrate. You even said we had video footage. There's no question that this person was sexually violated. But the only question is, is how are you using empathy if you're not going to take into account their... We could play back this, and you said we cannot use their their testimony. I was advocating for the testimony of the victim. That was my position. But that's not in a scientific epistemology of what evidence is. I have a scientific epistemology, and I'm telling you it is. In, 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 in matters of morality. Mm -hmm. So there's a new kind of knowledge when it comes to morality. No, 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 no. I said in, matter, in, in, in a typical scientific pyramid where you're saying this is the least informative evidence and this is the most, mm. you know, that personal testimony is the least. It is a place to start at best. Mm. But when you're talking about moral issues and moral dilemma, the correct position for personal testimony is much higher to the top. It may not be the top, but it's much closer to the top because we're talking about a, a, a moral issue here. We have to take into account the subject of the moral infraction. Mm. 
Whoever was raped, in other words, needs to be consulted to determine whether or not they were in fact raped. Mm. What justifies that change in position? What because makes... of the morality of the issue. Well, we're now talking about humans and human experience and mm. human suffering and human flourishing. Mm. So we cannot take out the human. In, in like your typical uh, scientific uh, inquiry, we're, we're talking about how, why, does the planets, why do the planets orbit in the way they do? And we don't need humans, you know, best guess. What we need is data, and we need to falsify that data. Mm. So if one guy says it's because God said so, and another guy says, I think it's because of what Newton had in mind, and another guy says it's probably more like what Einstein said, we have to test those different things. What they actually say it was, whether this guy says it was God or this guy says it was Newton, is way less important than what the tests actually ferret mm. out of the data. So we can falsify all those claims. We have no way to falsify the God claim, and we throw it out because of that. But what my point is with regard to, well, I think you're making my point for me, which is that when we start talking about morality, you say, but this is about morality. But you haven't presented any evidence that we should treat morality as a subject of knowledge that's any different. You've just asserted that we should. What do you mean? I don't understand. I'm sorry. I, I said morality is a subject of knowledge that we need to be that we need to treat differently than let's say physics mm. because it involves the fl the flourishing or the pain and suffering of human beings mm. it's different because the subject of the immoral thing so if you're going to ask a slave whether or not they want to be a slave mm. you need to address that before you make any moral claim mm. right i mean does the slave want to be a slave if it does, if the slave wants to be a slave, then mm. we don't have a huge, you know, we don't necessarily have a basis in that instance to say, well, we need to stop this from happening. Mm. Right? We have to take into a subject because we're talking about human beings. We're mm. talking about the flourishing or the suffering of human beings. So we have to ask those humans, are you flourishing or suffering? Don't we? Well, I or don't understand we how you are making that leap. It just sounds like you're making a bunch of assertions of what like, this is what knowledge is over here with regard to science, but when it comes to human beings, knowledge is different, and morality is in a different realm. I don't understand. You're saying the same, though, aren't you? Aren't of you saying that science is different than morality? Yes. Yeah, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. But that's and I'm built into in, my worldview. It's built into my worldview. I don't understand why it's built into your worldview. Like, where is the evidence? I that just described why. Because morality deals with human suffering and flourishing. And so in order to determine if humans are suffering or flourishing, to some degree, we have to ask mm -hmm. them. We have to ask those humans, are you suffering or flourishing? Let me say it in a, an analogy. Okay. If you want to determine how the planets work, you have to, quote unquote, ask the planets. Okay. Right? You have to... You have to look at how they act. You have to figure out what the evidence is that determines how they, how they orbit. I don't have to ask the planets anything. Well, I, can, I put I can, that in quotes. But I that, said you have but, to ask. You but, have to draw that data out of planets. You, of, have, to, you have to address yes, planets yes. and planetary movement. Mm. If I want to know more about human beings, I have to look at human beings, and I have to address mm. human beings. But I think that the scientific distinction between looking at human beings and asking human beings crosses the gap between external observable data and interior subjective data. Um, I think there is a subjective element that we can't escape, especially when we talk about morality, because of the anomalies we see, mm. because of the people that perhaps like pain mm. 
and so on. Hmm. But would you would you agree that if enough pain is inflicted, somebody would die? We don't, we're not totally at the whim of their subjective experience. If they're whipped long enough, they'll die. They may like the first 10 lashes, but after that, there's a, there's a, you know, they say hippopotamus. Okay. Game over. That's my safe word. I need to mm. rest. I need to go recover. But I think that's where I break from the evidence-based worldview is that, um, like, let's put it this way. You've said that, this arising in me of a feeling that human rape is bad. Uh, well, maybe all rape is bad. I don't know. But particularly human rape, we judge as bad, right? That feeling is not the basis, that, that interior feeling that I have, the justification for that is there's nothing there. It comes out of whatever, and um, therefore I can't properly weigh it against someone who has the opposite feeling. Right, but eventually, as we're digging down, go ahead. Oh well, it seemed to me initially when you proposed this example that that's what you were saying, and then you said, "No, no, no, I am. My moral position is such that I am aligning myself with reality." Mm. And then I said, "How are you doing that?" And you said, "One of the examples was empathy, mm. and that's how we okay. went down the road of empathy." Okay. And when you were talking about empathy. It was empathy of the kinds of things that one might experience when they're being raped, mm. like pain, mm. like suffering, like the personal account later, the, the trauma of mm. the event, the post-trauma of the event, the actual physical uh, pain and suffering. The broken arm was my example, mm. or the tear in the skin, or the blood, or the whatever. Mm. Measurable, evidential things that we can point to as pain and suffering. But again, I would say those are not, those are just data points. The evidence that you're gesturing towards is the internal subjective state of feeling pain, right? The, the blood and the tearing, like, that's not evidence of pain. The person's self-report of pain is the evidence of pain. The, the other things can come in later as forensic evidence that the rape actually took place in a court of law or something like that. But don't right? we but universally feel pain? I mean, some people say they enjoy pain, right? There are people that are like, I want to be whipped a few times because it's fun, or I like to be spanked. But don't they still report pain? I mean, we know what causes pain. If I hit you hard, mm. it's going to be painful. And whether you like it or not like it, that's the subjective element. Mm. But the pain itself is a data point that's externally verifiable, evidentially, right. Right. and falsifiable, and reproducible, well, and... I don't Everything think, else scientific I could throw at it. I don't think that it's externally reproducible because the pain is a report of the subjective experience of the data. Not so, you, so you don't think we could line up 10 people and hit them in the head with a baseball bat and get the same result? They all say that hurt. Yeah, but it's not evidence. That's it's not a, evidence that pain is, an, is it's, a, it's a, is a verifiable... Report evidential thing that we can not of the can... same quality that you're gesturing to with scientific evidence you're saying mor moral evidence is of a different category than scientific evidence well there is a more subjective bend there i mean you do have to take into account the 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 subject so let's mm. get back to the whipping do you th don't you think 10 for 10 if we lined people up and and whipped them in the back with a bullwhip that they would 10 for 10 say, yes, that hurt. Yeah. Okay. And then maybe one out of those 10 would say, but I kind of liked it. Okay. Right? Maybe. Sure. So maybe one out of those 10 was like, no, I'm cool with that. You could whip me every once in a while. And nine out of 10 would say no. That 
it is an example of this subjective element of morality that we have to take into account mm. when we're determining morality. We don't have to worry about whether or not Jupiter enjoys orbiting the sun. Mm. That's the difference. That's all objectively verifiable. Mm. There's no subjective element to it because Jupiter is not a subject. It mm. doesn't have an experience. But when we're talking about morality, we're talking about human beings. Mm. And human beings have an, an experience, and it's a varied experience. That's what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. But Wonderful. I feel like <laughs> what I am not getting any buy-in from you on is that the... Um, well, so let me make this point and then try to follow it up because I feel like yeah, we're, okay. we're, we've gone in a circle for, for a few minutes here now, right? We're, we're going back and forth on this point. K kind we're not of. not making progress here. What, what, no, I think we just made progress. You said you agree with me. So what's happened now is I've sufficiently described to you why I think empathy, the thing that you said aligns you with reality and tells you that raping a child is immoral. I think now I've sufficiently described to you why I believe that is an evidential experience. Those are things, those are evidences, those mm. are data points in the real world that we draw from to inform our empathy. Mm. We recognize that being whipped is painful, and we empathize with the person being whipped. Mm. And it's because of those data points. I think that the data points come after. I think that the subjective experience of empathizing arises first. Potentially, I, I agree with that. So, but I don't see how that invalidates my point. But anyway, you wanted to get to another... Well, my point is that I don't think you're recognizing that what I'm saying is that by shifting the goalposts on what is knowledge in the moral realm, you're abandoning a purely scientific position. You, you, have a, you keep saying, because human beings, but that's not an argument. That's just an assertion. I don't see how that's an assertion. You're making Without an assertion evidence. about subjective experience, right? But we've already established earlier in the conversation that we don't even know if subjective experience is real, Com whether consciousness is real. Well, we, we can say subjective experience is real. We just don't know if consciousness is an element of it, or we, we just don't know how to define consciousness. I don't think anybody said subjective experience isn't real. Well, what is con... Okay. Maybe we shouldn't have that conversation. Yeah, we yet, don't but... know. The answer is I don't know. Okay. Neither do you. So you don't know what it is, but you know that it's bad when it hurts. What's bad? Subjective experience. Negative subjective experience is morally bad. Yeah, I mean, when you're I mean, talking a... about whether or not human beings are being are flourishing or or experiencing a lot of pain and suffering then you're now talking about morality yes but those are definitional claims that you're making you haven't made an argument in favor of them i i feel like i have okay i, I feel like what the what i just went through taking your position taking your experience of why you say child rape is bad mm. and using, I just used one of the four things. I believe you said four things. Maybe it was three. I used one of those things and we, I said, okay, let's do a deep dive. Let's talk about empathy, right? Like, and I, I made that case for you. That's my case. Mm. That's why I think that, that we have empathy for mm. one is because we can experience pain. We recognize that other people do as well. Mm. This was hard-fought information. I don't think we always knew that. I don't think we always knew, for instance, that we felt pain and so did everybody else. Mm. I'm not sure that that's the case. Okay. But we, we do know that now. We could tie up 10 people and crack a whip across their back 
and 10 for 10 people would say yeah that hurt mm. but the moral determination is whether or not the person wanted it to happen or not and so if that one out of 10 said i'm cool with it in that one case we don't have an immoral act mm. but what i'm all, what i'm also saying is is your reason for being empathetic is tied directly to evidence and, and reality well i think I would say I would agree with you that it's tied to you already my, did. my empirical experience of reality. I have to see that the person has suffered in order to believe that, you know, like I have to listen to their account in order to take in the information that they've been raped. Exactly. That's why we but, have to address the human, the, the, the subject. I'm, but know, I think we're in full agreement now. Well, that's a strange um, to say that that morality is evidence-based on those grounds is very odd because there would be no other way of assessing the morality of other people's behaviors other than your, your experience of what they have done. Like, if I didn't see or hear or sense or touch any of the evidence of their their immoral action, I would never make a judgment about it in the first place. I, I'm sorry. I don't know that I'm following you. You're saying that we're we saw... Empathy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so go ahead. I just want to make sure we're not losing empathy here. Well, I can't have empathy for someone for whom I haven't had any empirical sense of what's happened to them. Uh... I don't. Why not? Uh, why can't you have empathy? Because I people? haven't heard about them. I don't know that they exist. Okay. Like... Someone has been raped, but I don't know anything about it. I can have like theoretical empathy for them, but I can't have empathy for that person. I don't know who they are. Right? Do you need to know the person personally? Is that what you're saying? No, you're missing the point. The okay. point is, if I don't know that they've been raped, I can't have the experience of empathy for them. Sure. So you're talking about the, you're talking about the evidence that they've been raped, but it just sounds like you're talking about my empirical sense of finding out that they have been raped. That's not science. Like somebody told me that they were raped, and I saw that they were bleeding and they had a bruise. Like, that's not science. That's just me interacting with the world. That's how I interact with the world. I listen to people's reports, and I, I, I see things that are true. Like, I mean, I see, I don't see how that's evidence in any, in any scientific way. Okay. Like, you don't if think we went that the to court, outside world is right? evidential? That that, your, your big problem with my worldview, or it sounds like, is that there's no connection between the outside world and my conscious experience. That I have a subjective mind that we don't understand consciousness, so we can't build a clear and credible bridge from the subje subjectiveness of my head to mm. the objectivity of the world. Mm. But what you just described was you interacting with things outside of your head in the world. That's right, but that doesn't make it so science. So that's science. Mm. No, that's what you're saying science can't do, is it can't get to the subjective. It, it handles the objective just fine. It mm. works in the natural world great. Mm. We already agreed to that. Right? I mm -hmm. mean, science gives us an understanding of the world. Mm. Your problem with science's limitations, and the reason why you are saying you're denying it, mm. is because it can't tell us about consciousness, mm. that which does science in the world. Mm. But you didn't disagree that science has huge advancements. It seems to work whether or not we understand consciousness. So that's you doing science in the world, whether you 
whether you think that you're not collecting data points, you named three. You said a, a bruise, a cut, and an account. Right, but that's not science. Yes, it is. Those are data points. Data, that's what science is. It's that is taking not science. into account the no. It's the science is the method of how we how we rank data, mm. how we collect data, and then how we test that data. And then the theory is right. the narration of what we think reality is based on all that data, and which is contradicted by none of that data. Right. Well, science is a methodology. Exactly. Explains most of the data we would go for, right? Um, I think a scientific theory is that which is supported by all the data and uh, is contradicted by none. That is the definition of a scientific theory. Well, then I don't think any scientific theories work in that sense, right? Like relativity. No, I think they do. I think, I think we have a pretty good understanding that relativity so far as a theory is supported by all the evidence and contradicted by none of it. It's contradicted by the fact that it doesn't match up with the uh, the quantum model of the universe, right? Like, uh, no, so it, there's a gap there. You're pointing out a gap. It doesn't. Ha it doesn't. It's not contradicted. There's just no connect. We don't know what the connection is. Mm. There's no contradiction between particle physics or uh, what was the example you used? Sorry, quantum. I think quantum. Yeah, the quantum and the theory of relativity we just don't know what the linkage is yet we don't know how to well, it sounds like you're hedging on that because we have quantum data but you'd have to show an actual contradiction the quantum what? model doesn't explain the quantum data sorry the relativity model doesn't explain the quantum data they're on totally different scales though you wouldn't expect something but you said a theory explains all the data Rel the theory of relativity is supported by all the data that supports relativity <laughs> I mean, come on. That's what that's what we're talking about. If you're on a different scale, it's it's like the theory of relativity has nothing to say about biology. So it doesn't explain all the data. Well, it explains. There's the no theory. There's you're never ever ever going to get any kind of theory that explains all of every data point ever. Mm. You get data points that you collect that prop up a theory that explain or become the factual basis of the explanatory capability of a theory but relativity doesn't have anything to do with let's say evolution evolution is supported by all the evidence of evolution and contradicted by none the mm. same as relativity the same as quantum theory but you wouldn't use quantum physics to describe evolution it's a completely different it's complete first of all it's a completely different scale mm. One is of the you know subatomic, and the other is of the most complex life forms on the planet, you know, known to man. They're just two completely different fields of science. Yeah, I understand that. But you said that a theory explains all the data, and I'm pointing out we go through a process of selecting the relevant data to fit a theory to. I think you have it the other way around. If you're saying it, if you ex understand what I just said, then 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 you wouldn't have said what you just said. A theory describes all the data and is it is contradicted by none of it, right? And how do we form new theories? But you're saying all the data that's known to man. But there is data that that supports the quantum theory. Mm. There is data that supports the theory of relativity. Mm. And then there's separate data that supports the theory of evolution. Mm. These are not the same data. These are not the they, they can't be applied to each other. These are separate theories that support and, and are making claim to separate things. Mm. Uh, I would like to finish making two points about the moral um, epistemology that you brought up, which is that, in my opinion, when talking about the 
um, the basis of morality, you're comfortable moving from objective evidence to subjective evidence. Absolutely. You haven't given a justification for that. You've just said, that's what being human is. No, I've said because we're dealing with human subjects, we must now take into account subjective evidence. Mm. That's my justification. What I'm fighting for is that uh, the, uh, the epistemology of morality rests on, at some level, an understanding that some subjective experience is inherently bad. So the subject's experience of pain and suffering is inherently bad, and it prevents their human flourishing. I, I want to say two things. One is that I don't think, uh, like, I think that that is where the rationalist account of morality sort of comes to a base level. There's no justification. It's just assumed as an axiom. Human suffering is bad. Human flourishing is good. And we use that to build a morality. Okay. You're saying there's no reason for us to think that that's true? I'm saying there's no evidence that that's true. Same. Yeah, sorry. Same difference, but okay. Well, the reason is it can be evidence-free, right? Like we talked about at the beginning. But we want to connect our reason to evidence. Not, not if you want to have a valid logical right. argument. Like if I, I could start or by a saying... a sound logical argument, I should say. Right. Well, that's not exactly true either, right? Like I can have a sound logical argument which is disconnected from reality. It can be internally consistent, but not useful in any way. So... If you want sound and valid logical argument towards what you're saying, it needs to be evidenced in reality. Mm. So... It has to be That's true. where I think the... Uh, as far as I can tell, your perspective is coming to this bedrock of suffering is bad, and that's how we can know that when people self-report suffering, you know, assuming other uh, palliative measures that they're they're not lying and all that kind of stuff, right? They're, they're, right. they're telling yeah. the truth, yeah. that we can make a moral judgment based on their self-report that they were caused suffering by someone else's actions. Yeah. So I think that is... Uh, I haven't heard a... Um, an evidence-based justification for that assertion. That, that suffering, suffering is, bad. is bad. Yeah. Okay. Now, I the, think I've done that, but go ahead. Okay. Then the second point that I want to make is that I think this can lead to um, what I would consider at least uh, morally abhorrent conclusions. Okay. And I'll show you a few ways. So if we take the example of maybe ancient... Just, maybe just one for the sake of time. I don't mean to okay. be rude, but... We don't have to do a bunch. Let's just try one in a... In a okay. Go ahead, sorry. So if we take the example of ancient Greece, in which it was the culture to uh, have these young men, older men, uh, mentorships, sure. which were not... And now it's going to sound like I'm providing justification for it, but they weren't, they weren't based around only sex. They were about mentorship and other things, right? But they involved pederasty. In that culture, because it was accepted and children saw it happening to other children as they got to a certain age and so forth, like there, there was that um, it was just accepted as something that was going to happen to you. Now, I'm sure some of those children would have reported a lot of mental suffering as a result of that. Yeah, but I agree. Let's, let's not even say, let's say for the sake of argument that nine out of 10 children did not report that. Okay. Now we have to come to the moral conclusion, as far as I can see, that, um, that that child rape was not immoral because there wasn't a degree of suffering uh, felt or reported by 9 out of 10 of those children. 
But what about the one? Don't we have that in the one to base our moral decision on? Well, maybe they were, um, um, you know, okay, so <laughs> I'm hypothesizing here, right? In the perspective yeah. of that culture, that one could have been a moral deviant. That person was outside of the moral norm. Maybe they were considered a, a psychopath or just someone who doesn't play along well or what? Whatever it is, my point is not that uh, we should be able to conclude from the one that it was still wrong. Why not? Because people experience suffering for all kinds of reasons, and it's not always the moral wrong of the person who's inflicting the suffering on them. Sometimes they just need to get their act in order. But in this case, it's rape by one person. I mean, we have a we have a subject to blame. Yes, but when you say the word rape, you're talking about you're bringing with this context from our modern sensibility of it's, of the fact that rape is evil. In that context, you could say the word rape, but it wouldn't have carried with it that weight of moral condemnation. In your context, in the context you're providing in ancient Rome, it's still rape to one out of ten children. You're bringing that context in as well. Okay. It's not just me okay. trying to smuggle it in. I'm not trying sure. to trick you. We have an example. This is a good example. Mm. You've stacked it in your favor, and I give you that. But you gave me one. And that's all I need. Isn't that all I need? Isn't I that really all I need? I don't see how in the moral calculus you know when the suffering of one should be weighed against the pleasure of nine. Who says that those nine can't continue this practice, but we should exclude the one? Mm. Who says that we can't update our moral thinking to say that some children should be, ought to be excluded from this practice, then creating a more moral state? Mm. By saying we have to have one rape victim for every 10 in our societal norm of, quote-unquote, mm. educating children in the whatever wiles of sex and whatever they were doing, why, wouldn't, why, why is that not morally valid the way I stated it there? And well, why are you advocating for the rape of one child? <laughs> That's the problem I'm having with your example. And I'm not saying you're saying this is good. This, right. is, this is the problem. What, what you tried to do, as far as I can tell, was set me up in a situation where you would describe and demonstrate how my moral position leads to an abhorrent mm. outcome. And what you've done is given me an example of your position leading us to that outcome. Mm. I'm the one providing the moral relief mm. by saying we need to take into account that one. So I'm not saying well, my nine moral, out of ten people my moral, make it okay to rape one child. My moral position is that rape is wrong, that it's built into the nature of the universe that rape is wrong, and that slavery is wrong, that it's built into the nature of the universe that slavery is wrong. I don't, I don't want to use moral calculus to calculate that, I want to be able to say in my morality, rape is always wrong. Slavery is always wrong. And when asked why or how I distinguish your moral statement between somebody who just says, I want to say that rape is right, mm. you evidenced reasons, and one of them was empathy. Mm. I mean, I'm just playing back the well empathy the, is not a reason i'm just playing empathy is a the name one you gave it's not a reason though it's a name for an emotion okay. it's a name for an internal state so you're building reasons on top of a collection of internal states that i have and that's great Why but my point empathy is empathy a good enough reason it's to not a reason that it's wrong it's not a reason that's what i'm saying well you it's then not built on reasons to pain suffering I, and that's right. physical damage but i didn't found it on those things 
sounded like you did. Where, what are you founding it on if it's not on pain? Why did you say that then? Why didn't you just say God or whatever you're going to no, say? Okay, no, so, okay, I see what you're saying. So When I asked you, you why empathy, you said those no, three things. You're saying, so, so here's how I'm interpreting what you're saying. You're saying, why did this empathy arise in you? I asked you, all I said was, is why empathy? Mm-hmm. What, what is it about empathy or no, what, what are you going to I'm trying use? to categorize the question uh, into the framework of what I'm trying to say. When you said, why did you feel empathy? What I hear you asking is, why did the empathy arise in you? Okay. But that's not a justification for the empathy. I'm just telling you, I saw these things in the world and then the empathy happened to me. So what are you, what, it sounds like we're having a problem with the word justification. Why, what is a justification for empathy? According to what you're saying then. I'm saying that empathy is a value that needs no justification. Why? Why are you saying that? What, what, that to me sounds like what you were accusing me of earlier, just saying it without any reason or evidence. That's why right. Are you, why are you saying that? That's right. Is but, it in fact? But, well, that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get you to see is that but as I far as I can reasons. tell. Yeah, you did. But I'm saying that those reasons come secondary. They're justifications after the empathy has happened. Okay, but you, why are you having empathy then? What's your just... Empathy I mean, arises. What are you saying? You're just saying it is. Yeah, exactly. So you asked me... Do you have any, do you have any uh, I don't know, curiosity or wonder about why we're empathetic? Well, so this is my point, is that the nature of our experience arises within us. We use reason. I wanted to... I, wanted, I, I still don't feel like we've... Uh, <laughs> Like we've drawn a clear line between, I don't want to give the impression that I just go around in the world and whatever things pop up in me, I'm just like, oh, I guess I better do that now, right? That's not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I am saying that I do bear witness to the world. If I don't see that someone has been raped, I cannot feel empathy for them. If I do see that they have been raped, then I feel empathy for them. But the empathy doesn't require a reason. The evidence of them being raped will cause me to feel empathy, but isn't what that it, a reason? Isn't that a reason why you felt empathy? Absolutely not. I'm sorry. You, you just said that if you meet somebody that well, wasn't okay, raped, okay. then so, you wouldn't have empathy for them, and if you met somebody that was raped, then you would. It that, sounds like the rape is a reason. You're right, but that's a code switch of the word reason. So a reason that I felt something is not the same thing as using reason and evidence. Right. Okay. You see the point I'm making there? No, because you were using reason the same way you just used reason, as the same way I used reason. Okay. Well, so let's draw the distinction now and say, to use reason to construct the value of empathy is not what the value of empathy is or how it arises. That would be my assertion. Okay. We don't use logic and reason to construct the value of empathy. We have the value of empathy. It arises in our experience. There are reasons why I feel empathy. That's great. Of course, there should be, well, that's a bigger talk, but yes, of course, there are stimuli. Like, that's just a stimulus, right? I take in visual, auditory, factual information, and those are reasons why I might feel empathy, but they aren't a justification for the empathy. So are you trying to draw a line between feeling empathy because something occurred in life or reality or whatever, and why we feel empathy at all, how it evolved in the human being? I'm saying that it, mm, 
That is a much longer discussion. And that I just w- sounded like the distinction you were trying to yes. make. I'm not sure so if let that's me, right. Let but. me cap it off. Like, yeah. let me, maybe this will be a, ne- a nice lead into our next conversation. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. I hope we do have another conversation, by the way. I've so, had a really good time. Oh, me too. So, this is uh, coming to, and I know I've said Nietzsche like three times already, and it sounds really pretentious, but uh, this is where Nietzsche's. Uh, exploration of the value of values, I think, is really valuable. Valuable. Um, so, if the value of empathy has arisen in us from, let's say, uh, natural selection, right? Good start. Then, I don't see what moral. Um, let me see if I can draw this distinction more cleanly here. Okay. What I want to do with my morality is align myself to the nature of the universe and say, these things are good, these things are evil. When I look at basing my morality on values which have arisen through natural selection, and I, I think we just started to get into a little bit of agreement there that um, empathy as a value arises, like I don't have a, a justification for it, then what I want to say is that I can't, I don't believe, mm, I don't see, let's say I'm standing within the rational perspective, trying to figure out, trying to make sense of morality in the rational perspective or in the evidence-based perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't see why that feeling of empathy is any more useful to me as a moral guide than any other emotion that I have. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sounds like a cliffhanger ending, which I sort of planned out, but I wanted you guys to want to hear the conclusions of these ideas that we're bringing forth. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I certainly did. There seems to be a lot of moral confusion going back and forth between the two of us. Um, Specifically on one side, I'm not going to call out any names, but there, were, there was definitely some stuff for you guys to review and hopefully respond to. So, that being said, please contact us at podcast at secularhub.org with any questions, concerns, or requests for things that you'd like to see on the podcast, specifically with questions maybe that I, you'd like me to ask Nathan, feedback about these podcasts, episodes, or any topic that you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy your weekend. 